Hey, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with me, Rob Kosberg. Every week, I interview thought leaders and experts who have used the book to grow their income and their impact. So tune in weekly for these interviews so you can learn how to use your own best-selling book and go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted. All right. Hey, welcome everybody. Rob Kosberg here with another episode of our Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. Uh, got a great guest for you today. Somebody I think you're going to learn a lot from and I'm really looking forward to talking to. And uh, that's uh, Raul Hernandez Ochoa. He's a business strategist, coach, consultant, and of course, uh, the best-selling author of his book, Productive Profits, The Founder's Guide to Scaling Your Impact. He's trained hundreds of entrepreneurs through live seminars, online programs, private masterminds, uh, he's played a key part in helping businesses to scale and has overseen hundreds of online advertising campaigns. You know I love that. His work has uh, helped positively impact the lives of his clients and uh, the teams that he's helped to flourish. Uh, he's also a family man, uh, lives in uh, beautiful San Diego. We were just having a chat about me having left California. Uh, when he's not working and drinking his homemade cold brew, he's uh, serving his community, serving his church. Uh, or training for some kind of crazy obstacle course, and uh, or maybe just surfing. So uh, great to be with you today, my friend. Welcome to uh, the podcast. Rob, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, as you know, I, I shared with you, and as our listeners know, we like to talk about uh, two main things here on the podcast. The first is uh, I want to talk about your magic and how you help uh, entrepreneurs and businesses to grow. Uh, maybe we codify some of that stuff, uh, how you ended up putting that in your book, and of course, we'll direct people to your book. And, uh, and, and then we'll change gears just a little bit towards the end and talk about, okay, what has your book done for you? We know your book is doing great things for, uh, for other people. So maybe just give us a, an overview. Who is your ideal client? Uh, who are you, uh, you know, the, the teams and the entrepreneurs? What do they look like and how do you directly impact and, and help them? I like the way you started when you guys talked about the magic. And this is actually something I haven't shared on many other podcasts because I haven't never gotten that specific question. Nice. And the magic really comes in the intersection between the creative thought and analytical thought. Um, I thought that it was just like common sense for some of the stuff that I do. But I right. once that I started to understand different modalities of learning and, and education and execution, there is either that creative entrepreneur who's always creative, has great ideas. They feel the fire. They, you know, pi uh, build the pipeline. They keep growing. And there's also the analytical entrepreneurs, very tech savvy, focused on, you know, the granular. I cross those bridges into having both the creativity and the analytical components. And to answer your question, the clients that I have the most impact with are that creative driven entrepreneurs who need that stability, who need that certainty in their business and are looking for avenues to create that certainty. And that's what Productive Profits does. So being able to take both that creative aspect and that ambition and drive, marry it with the analytical and have a very practical common sense approach based on principles that just work. Love it. Love it. Well, I know a lot about entrepreneurs having been one myself and continue to be one. And we can be uh, difficult to work with. Uh, you know, we have a thousand ideas and our minds are moving a hundred miles an hour, Mach 2 with our hair on fire, right? And uh, <laughs> a little like herding cats, I would imagine. So, you know, give, give me an idea like um, that was a great overview and thank you. And I, I love uh, the explanation of the magic because that is a big deal, right? I mean, uh, no one wants to be this creative that 
you know, create something and then never sees their creation flourish because they don't add to it the analytical stuff. So give us an example, like, you know, share maybe a great success story of a client that you helped and maybe they were the herding cats one and and you kind of herded the cats <laughs> up. What does that look like for a, a specific entrepreneur or business? I'll give you the most recent uh, example. So a client of um industry leader, very top or known and then what they're doing has a podcast, has the whole the whole thing going. Pretty much helping him create the infrastructure within his team. So he's a labor-focused uh, services, so services-based business, which is dependent on your people and your labor, but pretty much reorganizing that infrastructure and the design of the team to have him be removed as being the one bottleneck in most projects. Mm. Find that team and redesign the business. This is again the creative aspect talking about design. When you redesign it in an approach that one hits profit, two hits your goals, three meets your lifestyle, and four allows your team to flourish. Not just a fancy word; it's intentional. You, we're creating new careers for team members. One team member is on track to have three raises within one year because of that new career path that we've created, and that's a lot of work, fun work, but it doesn't have to take a year. This took around, I think we're 90 days in. Love it. That's awesome. I would imagine, you know, your your third thing that you mentioned was, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but lifestyle goals or or what the entrepreneur is looking, was wanting his life to look like. You know, I, I see entrepreneurs that are even very successful and are working you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And I, I throw 40 in there because even that I am not interested in doing personally, because in one sense, entrepreneurs are always working, you know, on, on the weekends, my mind's going, I got my notebook out, I'm reading, I'm thinking, I'm considering the next offer. Is that like a big issue that you see with the entrepreneurs that, that you work with, that they have the, you know, all this business energy and unfortunately are working way too long, way too hard, and maybe sacrificing family and other things because of not having the analytical side put together. Well, that's my secret agenda, if we can call it that. Nice. What is it? What is actually going on here? What are we actually doing? Why Why create certainty in your business? Well, what does success actually mean? Mm. It's not you know the bank account. That's nice. It's not the revenue. That's awesome. It's a total success for you, your community, family, what you're doing, your holistic life and looking at that from the lens. And that's actually why I started the book with that specific focus. What are you called to? I've had buddies and friends, venture back companies growing super rapidly, working 70 hours a week. That's what he wanted to do. Mm. I have other friends creating lifestyle businesses, passive income and all that kind of stuff. It's all, what are we designing? Because before we can get to the heavy lifting infrastructure, creating the right People call them processes and systems. It's all around creating the right workflows. That's all it is. Mm. Before we start working on those, what are we actually designing for? What's the end outcome? What does that look like? And we go a lot of introspection and giving different resources and tools and ideas to be able to identify, this is actually what I want from my business. And this is the impact that I want to make because business essentially is serving people. It's serving others your community is serving your teams. If you have a team, it's serving the customer. So how are, what's the impact look for them? What does the impact look for your business? And how does that fit into the inner workings of your life? Because we're not going to live forever. Going to yeah. make the most out of what we got. 
Yeah. Yeah, it would suck if your business was great at serving everybody else but you. Uh, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're you're so busy serving everybody else that the business has never uh, been built to actually serve you, which, uh, of course, is not easy to do, but it is the point of a business. Uh, at least from my perspective, it is the point of the business. So, So that's a great example, very, very helpful. Give me like you know, like there's the magic, right? The Wizard of Oz, Raul, the Wizard of Oz. But then you go behind the curtain and there's like the seven things that the Wizard of Oz does to actually <laughs> make Oz look the way it does, right? So, I mean, is it codified? Is it steps? Like what are the, yep. what's the first thing you do, second thing you do, that kind of thing with an entrepreneur? So, it's a cycle. It's all a driven cycle, just like education. Like you mentioned earlier, you're reading on the weekends. Your schooling ended. You know, our schooling ended years ago. Yeah. Our education never ends. Right. Same thing with productive profits. It's a cycle of clarity, creating that clarity in regards to where are we in business? Where are we going? Getting the pulse, making sure the team is good. What's the new mission? What's the new, you know, milestone? Creating the evergreen workflows around that. That's phase two. Yeah. Creating that structure, building out for that. There's new workflows, the teams, whatever. And the last piece is the synchrony synchronizing all the things that you're building through leadership and effective leadership. I call it heroic leadership. That it's in every time you're building a business, and that's the hardest thing that every single one of my clients, 100% guaranteed, it's how do we work with people? Right, right. And that's the key thing. But you don't just end there. You got to keep the wheels turning yeah. and keep growing and evolving. Because well, the way I see it is that your business will hit an inflection point and that inflection point will determine your next level of success. If you've built correctly, you're going to continue to grow steadily. And obviously there's always growing pains, but it's not going to be your, your dismal pitfall. But when you get to the next level, that's a new plateau. But in this different level, you're able to see the horizons at a different view, different opportunities come up. And then from there, you're doing the same process, design, clarity, building out, synchronizing, getting to the next level. And that track, that trend overall, the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, or depending if it's a legacy business that you're handing down or if you're going to sell it, it's going to leave an impact. And that impact just keeps increasing as you continue the cycle. Mm, love that. What do you find with the entrepreneurs that you speak to? I want to ask you a couple questions, but this one comes to mind now. Um, what do you find with them? Do you find that they all think in terms of this almost infinite scale. Uh, that's not the right word, but you know, they want to get to 10 million, mm -hmm. 50 million, a hundred million dollars a year. Is that something that you find with uh, entrepreneurs? Like, what, 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 you know, give me some insight into your communications with them. Give you the practical answer. And I want to dive a little bit more in the philosophy of that because you, okay. you uncovered something really important. The practical answer is that entrepreneurs are driven by growth. Personal growth, business growth, a business growth is correlated to monetary growth, but this doesn't just mean I want to hit 10 million. That's it. That is something that you can definitely attach to though with a creative entrepreneur. It's like, Hey, I'm really, I want to get to that next level. Cool. Let's cross that 1 million mark. Cool. From here, three, from there, five, let's hit 10. Right. Uh, others are that I'm working want to hit a hundred million. So again, that you'll never satiate that because it's in something that it's right. infinite it's possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a number. But the key thing is, is what are the values of that entrepreneur and the owner going back to the design, the clarity portion, when you understand those values and you start to define, this is why I need to reach, for example, $3.7 million. Why? I need to hire these type of staff members. 
this is the type of pay I want to give them. This is the lifestyle. And I need to be able to increase, you know, the influence or the impact in my media through this. And it's going to cost this much. Mm. When you start dissecting it down to that level, then you kind of have more, not purpose, but more clarity in regards behind your purpose. And that's more the philosophical side. It's like, what are the actual essence of the values that you're after and why just not just some arbitrary number that you've threw your dart at? Right. Right. I love that. I really love that role. I love that for a couple of reasons. One is because I always think the numbers are really arbitrary. Most entrepreneurs don't even know what they're asking for when they talk about wanting a five or a $10 million business, in my opinion, because it's very painful to go from 3 million to 10 million. I know I've been in that in a couple of different companies and oftentimes you're not making more money. You know, there are plateaus, but, but I love what you say because when you really add like, you know, looking closely, at it and adding kind of the internal motivation thing. Okay, why are we actually doing this? And what what does it look like for you? What does your lifestyle look like? What does your income look like? You don't get to keep the whole $3 million uh, or even million dollars. And of course, as you grow bigger, your margins tend to, tend to shrink, which is interesting. So I, I really like that. Let me just shift, not gears totally, but a little bit. Um, I ask entrepreneurs all the time, why'd you write your book? And I always get the same answer. Um, so I'm going to give that answer for you, but then I'm going to ask you to answer it without using that answer. So the right. answer is always, well, I wrote my book because I really want to help people. I really want to make a difference. I really want to teach entrepreneurs this thing. I know that's true. Mm-hmm. I know you want to do that. Now, you're not allowed to answer that. Why else did you write your book? What else? What were the other maybe hidden purposes for you that you wrote it? Because it's tough, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting into. I was actually nudged by a mentor at the time mm. uh, because I helped a company grow like almost triple revenue in a year, grow from seven to 23. And it was these principles were always something that I was either writing on the side or having notes around about how we're doing these things, yeah. teaching you know workshops or from the workshops that I help teach as extractions, everything in the book is based either on results or experience, which produced results. Yep. So I didn't put any theory in there. It was more of a nudge. It's like, hey, you know, you should do this. And obviously for the reason of scaling my brain, like if yeah. you pick up the book, it's legit like working with me, except yeah. it's in book format. Yeah. But it's more of a nudge and getting out there. I didn't know it was going to be a labor of love. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. When the third revision came through, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I hate this book. I know. I, I don't want to look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you got to do it. It's a labor of love. And yeah. uh, the process was pretty fun uh, using voice uh, audio recognition to write it. So yeah. Yeah. it's just... That was that was more of a nudge, like, hey, this there's opportunity here. Love it, and obviously for the same reasons you mentioned. You know, I'm, I, so I'm hearing two things. One, it sounds like the book helped you to kind of codify what you're yes. doing, right? It forced you almost to like create a course in a in a in a paperback version, right? And tell me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of what I heard. It it helped you to create, like, codify what you're already doing with these businesses. Is that accurate? It's part of that. And even building on top of that code, because you can always, I always improve what already exists. When you pick up the book, it's not this 300 page business book, which is out there. It's literally a hundred pages and it's literally open white space, most of it to have notes and work through it because mm. everything is actionable. Good. 
Good. Love that. So I heard that. And then I also heard what I hoped to hear. And that was, you know, you were nudged to do it, but you also saw the benefit of doing this for your own brand, your own authority and showing people by actually helping them that you can help them. That's, I think, you know, I oftentimes asked a question of, you know, Rob, how much content, how much real, like the real good stuff do I give? And I'm like, all of it. I mean, yeah. like that. Now we're not talking about writing a thousand pages, but I mean, like, don't hold back. Like, give them six of the Colonel's secret ingredients, but not the seventh. Like, give all the secret ingredients, if you will, of it. And, you know, you'll help people. You'll help thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. And then that will draw even the best of those people that raise their hand and say, if this is what you've given me in a book form, I want you to do this for me. Like, I want you to actually, you know, come to my company or meet with me or whatever. And so it sounds like that's what you've done. And I I super commend you for it. I think that that's very, very cool. I look forward to, to seeing uh, that book help tons of people. No, I appreciate that. I think you also touched on something that's like I, we're trying to battle that myth that if you give too much, then what's left for me? Right. But I think that's an inverse because I've, I've been in like conversations where – clients just want more like you've done something for them and then they they want the next level and what does that next level look like because that's the other thing that we miss out when we're identifying the entrepreneur like the creative entrepreneur any entrepreneur wants growth so if they, you help them and got an, a result in a book and then you help them with let's say with a program or a sprint and then the next level they're always asking what's next and all of the successful entrepreneurs that i've either got to see behind their business work with or even work with hand in hand always ask what's next. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I know this is true for me and I believe it's true for a lot of people. I've read books from authors that I thought, you know what, there's nothing new here. And that meant, you know what, I'm not going to work with them. Like I, I don't need to write them a bigger check. They didn't give me anything special in this book. If you have something special you holding it back is only going to hurt you. And I think, you know, I have to say this over and over to authors because they think the other way. They think, well, if I give them everything, they're not going to need me. No, no, no. That's when they see their need for you even more because they see, okay, this, this guy, this girl's got something special. When I read that book and I go, wow, that is smart. I go, I wonder if I can write them a big check and they come and do that thing for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, love that you that you did that. Um, let me go ahead and shift gears to the, you know, to the, okay, your book is doing all this for other people. I get why you wrote it. Give me some idea. What has your book done for you? How has it helped you to grow your authority, grow your business? Any stories or examples would love to, to hear that and kind of special stuff you've done maybe to get your book in the hands of your clients. I mean, obviously the authority positioning is the key piece to it. Um, even if it's just dealing with clients in regards to making proposals or working with them to the next level, having that author signature is definitely important. And I don't take it lightly to yeah. continue to buff up on that writing. But I think the cool thing around, like this is just in passing, right? Like when someone remembers or tells you like, by the way, you, oh yeah, you wrote the book, you're an author. You're like, oh yeah, I am an author. Oh yeah, I did this thing, which wasn't easy. It took months of work, but just having that credibility and that enables you to take it seriously even further. Like, hey, I've, I have this IP. How can I make this better? How can I continually to improve upon this? Because you've asked me early on and I thought about this listening to your previous podcast was, 
What does the book do for you? Well, for me, it helps me expand, let's call it the world, expand that, that realm of expertise and to now we're, it's one year, we're celebrating one year anniversary. And now with not these podcasts, being able to be on shows and add value. Yeah. But other than that, creating a program, like from this book, I would have not imagined like two, three years from now, creating an annual program around the core principles of the book and being able to scale that even further. Right. Love that. I, I actually heard you say a couple things. One was clear and that's, you know, basically the scaling and the authority. The other one, it, it sounded like you were beginning to say, and you said a little bit that um, the book has helped you even change your own perspective of yourself. Like it's almost like a reminder of, you know what, I'm an author. And, mm-hmm. you know, this wasn't easy. Not everybody is, right? I mean, you, you're you in competition every day for what you do, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Just like I am. And to say, well, I'm the best-selling author on this topic, you know, automatically puts you in the eyes of your prospects at a different level than your competition. But I do believe that it also kind of makes you see yourself a little bit differently as well because mm-hmm. you accomplished it. Is that is that what you were trying to say or did I just find that? I think you're, you're hitting something really important uh, in finishing that sentence for me, but I think it's true because I started practicing after reading Seth Godin's The Work, like daily writing and daily publishing that writing. Mm. And that's no easy feat either, but it, it allows me to conceptualize a thought and make it practical and tangible to the reader. And my thing is just doing it give the information as quickly as possible with less redundancies. Yeah. Um, so again, that's why the book is only 100 pages long. But it's also buffing up that skill set. And the more that you take your work seriously, like I, I've had other people on my podcast, successful entrepreneurs, is they also share that when they start taking their work seriously, their business seriously, a lot of great things can happen and you start to make a bigger difference. And that goes back to like um, the self-image concept that if you view yourself and the work that you're doing as important, you're going to perform better. And that also is inverse with how you help your team view themselves, which we talk about like in productive profits, but it's, it's all interconnected. It's yeah. all about drive and growth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, uh, that's really good. I, that's not something that I talk a lot about with other authors, but I think it's really true. You know, I have a bachelor's degree. I've never worked a day in my degree. But there were things about having that degree that mattered to me when I was a 22-year-old kid. The fact that I worked my way through school and made the the dean's list and graduated with honors, even though I never worked a day in it and I paid for it myself, meant something to me personally. And mm-hmm. and the fact that I am an author and a, and a multiple you know bestseller, Wall Street Journal bestseller, is like you know it's a source of pride, but you know, in a, in the most positive way, I think. And, uh, that's good. That's good for me to remember. That's good for you to remember, right? You've done something that your competition hadn't done and you deserve the rewards for that. So congratulations and, uh, very cool. I appreciate that. And, and then you mentioned too, it's a positive sort of pride. This is to say like, oh, we're amazing. And every, if you want to write a book, you'll be amazing. It's around the level of responsibility that comes with it. Cause every word that you write, once you have authority, it comes with that responsibility. The words that you write, the things that you say, how you show up will make a difference to that listener because they're taking you seriously. And if you give the wrong advice and that's, I mean, you can't control what they do, right. but you can control the type of advice and the things that you put in your writing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Great discussion. Really uh, hit on some different things. And I like that. Uh, Raul, where's the best place for people to find you, buy your book, you know, get information about working with you, that kind of thing. 
Everything's on the website, dogoodwork.io. You'll be able to list out the book and reach out to me personally. Love it. Dogoodwork.io. We'll put that in the show notes and uh, and get people connected to you and to your book. Thank you. Thank you for being on uh, the, the podcast today. Thanks for uh, the great discussion. It's a pleasure, Rob. Awesome.